Welcome back to the Nest College Football Podcast. My name is Chris, and we got... Donut! And this is episode six coming at you. This time, I got it right. We got the national landscape, then we're hitting some temple talk, and we got the voicemails, first time ever on the pod. We got some voicemails. Make sure you call us, 614-504-3614. That's 614-504-3614. And follow us on Twitter at the Nest CFB. Let's hit it with the theme song. All right, let's start off with the national landscape, Tony. The biggest news of the weekend. Notre Dame taking down number one Clemson in this weekend's game of the week going into double overtime? Was it double or single? Double overtime. Double overtime. That's what I thought. I don't know why my brain. They were talking about triple overtime. It did not go there. Double overtime. Notre Dame finishes on top. With a Trevor Lawrence-less Clemson team. Now, does this win mean as much for Notre Dame? Does it here? Let's. Does it mean more for Motor, Notre Dame, or does it mean less to Clemson? Does it mean more for Notre Dame or less for Clemson? I think it means less for Clemson because uh, we'll talk about the the rankings here in a little bit. But they only dropped, you know, to four, so they get their star quarterback quarterback back and their schedule. Uh, for the rest of the ACC is very manageable. So if the fact that they didn't drop out of the playoffs, you know that they'll they're still where they want to be, and they get an opportunity to meet Notre Dame possibly at the end of the year with a healthy Lawrence. Um, so Clemson can make this back uh, for Notre Dame though a huge win for the program. I think it's been uh, several years, fifteen years. I think the last time they hosted a number one team. And there was that Leonard Bush USC team that came and, and won a heck of a ball game. This ball game was a heck of a game. Game of the year so far. Uh, for Notre Dame to put that on their resume, to have it, regardless of if Lawrence played or not, it's a resume builder. But ultimately, they're going to have to beat him in December if they want to make the playoffs. Yes, they will meet again. Now, I thought it was kind of wild that Lawrence was allowed to be on the sideline during the game. Yes, I. I uh, After only you know, seven days. And then, if you really think about it, when they rushed the field, um, all those fans, uh, you know, it, it's a, a tricky situation. My, yes, my the f- big rush on the field was definitely cringeworthy to to watch. Which I'm all about rushing the field. I've done it. We, it, it's it's amazing feeling, but. The thousands of people there. It's yeah. also this scene goes out the window. You can't do that. No, and it's at least, like you said, any other year, any other situation. We denounce that those actions. We denounce yeah. all storming the field on this podcast until the pandemic is over. Yeah, I love watching it. I, being a um, you know a lover. We just said we denounced it, Tony. I know, but in any other year besides this. Thank year, you. Thank you. Um, obviously for this year, there's circumstances where you can't. So, but it was a great moment for that uh, university, for that program. I always felt for Kelly, even though he's a tremendous coach, he never could win that big game either in the college playoffs. I mean, they were embarrassed uh, a couple of years ago by Clemson and on national TV. Um, so for them to get that win, um, that running back Kyron Williams, who was amazing at, uh, not only running the ball, but as pass protection for Ian Book. And Ian Book, we could talk about him. He he was well-read in that game because he could make every throw. He scrambled when he needed to. He felt the pocket. And um, Notre Dame, they definitely proved that they're, they belong in the landscape. We'll see if they can win that game in uh, December, though, against Clemson. Yes. I... I, I had a feeling this was going to be this series. I guess you could call it was going to be split. Didn't know which one was going to happen when, but this one made the most sense with Trevor Lawrence out. 
I, I believe Clemson will win later on when this matchup happens again at the conference championship with Trevor Lawrence back in action. So, yes, it, I, I'm excited to see it happen. Yes, and Clemson doesn't drop far. We'll go. We'll we'll slide into the polls with this with this talk. Clemson drops to number four, with Notre Dame up to number two, and Ohio State stays the same at number three with Alabama number one, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. All three of them receiving first place votes in the AP poll. Followed up by Clemson, Texas A&M, Florida, and Cincinnati dropping a spot getting completely disrespected. You're on the same page. How I don't get how Texas A&M jumps up two spots after beating South Carolina. I, you know, this year is going to be who'd you beat, who'd you play, who'd you beat? And unfortunately, when you look at teams outside of the Power 5, there it's a lesser schedule than Teams in the Power Five, especially the SEC. I agree, but I I do I do not think Texas A&M belongs at all in the number five spot. Florida, I would make I I can. You could make an argument for Florida more than A and M, but well, here, here here's the argument: A uh, and M beat Florida this year. Uh, BYU deserves to be up there even more than 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 either of those. I guess yeah that that that's what. But here's the here's the kicker: when we go back to BYU, Cincinnati, Cincinnati and BYU will never get a chance to play a team as good as um, as Florida. You know what I mean? I mean that it's just not on their schedule. I think Cincinnati's got a chance to play SMU, who's who's ranked, but. Um, it's just not it's not on the schedule, so it's gonna be a vision vision test and unfortunately teams like BYU and Cincinnati are rooting for those teams to lose. They just yeah. gotta hang around. And we see um well speaking of the polls, which we'll kinda of get into in a little bit, but uh it, it, to both of these games, SMU actually drew, SMU and Oklahoma swapped spots. Oklahoma jumped a spot, which I don't get how Oklahoma can jump a spot beating your Kansas Jayhawks while SMU drops a spot beating my Temple uh, Temple Red Hawks uh, Temple Red Hawks or Temple Owls. <laughs> so does are they are the AP AP is essentially saying a win over Kansas is better than a win over Temple. I guess or I mean or the the eye test of, you know, who looked who looked better. It's it's a I just don't know how the eye test works for some teams. It doesn't. We talk I about believe teams. the gap between Oklahoma and Kansas is much larger than the gap between Temple and SMU. I I agree, but the you know it's it's just tough. I, I just don't know how the eye test works for the Pac-12 because of the limited games they'll have, and a team like Wisconsin, like they're still thirteenth. At 13, and they've only played one game. And they dropped 10 spots. Speaking of the Pac-12, they're back in action uh, for their season kicking off. And game, I mean, second game of, game of the week, part two, would be uh, USC coming out on top, and they're sitting at number 20. But their game coming down to the wire as well. Yeah. So I, I think Oregon and USC are your two best teams Um to have a legit shot at getting to the college football playoff, I just don't know. I mean, it, it, I think it's going to be a stretch for them to get into the top 10 and, well, and, and consistently stay in the top 10 versus let alone get into the college football playoff. Well, Oregon's already 11th. Yes. So they, I, I mean, and, they, and then I, I once Wisconsin plays again, now is Wisconsin yeah. Wisconsin essentially is on the same playing field as all the Pac-12 teams now. Yes. I I agree. So it's going to be interesting to see how how that looks. And but the the good thing for Wisconsin is if things pan out the way they they should, you plan on and they went out and and Ohio State wins out, at least Wisconsin has a game a big boy game in the very end of the season with Ohio State. Um but 
the Pac-12 wise, what resume builders are there except, and they're not traveling. I think they're only playing in division, in their own division. So those like a Stanford, Oregon, that's not happening this year. Yeah. It's only in, only in your division. Now so, let let me let me ask you this. I would like to see. Well, first off, uh, Coastal Carolina and Marshall are they both in the Sun Belt? Um. I believe Coastal Carolina is in the Sun Belt and Marshall's in the Conference USA. Oh, thank you. And Liberty's Conference USA? Uh, Liberty, I have to look at them. Uh, they just entered the. Yeah, this years. is their second or third year in the FBS. Let me know when you pull they're, that they're, up. They're independent. They're independent. Okay, that makes sense. Hardcore religious school like BYU. But I would like to see, I, I don't have any of these three schedules in front of me. And I don't think any of these three teams play each other this year. I'm going to add BYU and Cincinnati into this. I would love to see, here's my list, Cincinnati, BYU, Marshall, Coastal Carolina, and Liberty all run the table. All run the table and be undefeated as those outside. And and, and it'll cluster the hell up out of that. That top ten. This is the year to run the table and be undefeated. Easiest I, year to do it. Just beating out your conference, right? I hundred percent agree, but I, I really think the only and I, I'm not saying they have a chance in the conf- the college football playoff, but it'll that that top ten will just be loaded down with Marshall, Coastal, BYU, Cincinnati, and Liberty. I think that top ten just gets clustered with like. Once you you zoom out, you pan out outside of the college football playoff, you're going to be looking like, what the hell? What the hell is Liberty doing in the top ten? And Coastal Carolina, who just became, just got out of the FCS, I I think that would be uh, really cool to see. I don't think you get like a Liberty in the top ten. I think they're sitting in like 15 or something. Yeah. But I would love to see all them run the table. And then you add the Pac-12s in Wisconsin – I hope we have a bunch of running the tables, and essentially you're back to like BCS, trying to figure out with computers, human brain computers now, trying to figure out who do we put in, who do we leave out. No, and I think if you have to pick a out of the non-power five, you have. I mean, the best case that you have, and I think the best team out of all those, and and it's a good argument. I think you could bring talk about BYU, but I think Cincinnati is. The, the best team out of that grouping, and I feel like they have the best chance to sneak into that top four. They will need help from um, other teams like Florida and them to lose. But to, if they hang around at six or seven, uh, we know that Notre Dame and Clemson's going to lose. One of those teams are going to lose at least one more time. You know, you, you figure A&M, A&M's got a chance to, to sneak in there because um, they may not play in the SEC championship because they, uh, Alabama will most likely come out of that division. So they may sit on a bye late in the year. Uh, Florida is going to have to play Alabama. So, you know, Florida's probably going to lose one more time at least. So Cincinnati's got a great opportunity to, if they can hang around and win out, I, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for them not to slide up. And if they don't, then people like us are going to be talking, why are they getting passed over? Yes, I love your breakdown there, breaking down essentially who's in who's ahead of Cincinnati right now, and and there's their paths are getting interrupted by the top of their division right now, the top of their conference right now, and yeah. the only thing you have is is uh, Oklahoma State is your is your best Big Twelve, and they're sitting down at fourteen, and with and with a an era one loss Big Twelve champion versus an undefeated American champion, you got to take Cincinnati. Yeah. Or are you taking, or in what if Indiana, Indiana uh, beats Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship and you do leave out a one-loss Ohio State, that's where I see, that's the only thing I see being like a two 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 people from the same conference, and the only thing I could see that would be is if Florida were to beat Alabama, or 
Indiana beat Ohio State and they both lose their conference championship. Or now you got Clemson, Notre Dame, and they split. Uh, I was going to say that. I, that I feel all like all three split. of those are are a possibility. ACC is clearly that Clemson, Notre Dame is yeah. the much more likely. But you get Notre Dame that wins, Clemson's done. You know that takes no. care of that. But I see, I could see an Indiana Ohio State happening where there's a split there at some point, whether it's regular season and and conference championship. So yeah, the, the best thing about college football is that usually all this stuff gets uh, figured out by the time the end of the seasons, and we can talk about it, which is fun. Yes, so I, I'm excited. I'm hoping see. we get a couple of these scenarios. So we can see some of these play out in person. I'm on, I'm on the Bearcat bandwagon. I, I'm excited. I, I really think, you know, uh, we talk about Rod Carey a lot, but that Northern Illinois team in the BCS period where they would, you know, perform in those BCS bowls against a higher team, uh, I would love to see. It would be so fun to see Ohio State number one versus Cincinnati at four. Like, yeah. that would be so uh, I think match. Cincinnati would get their asses handed to them, but but I, w- I would watch it. And what if Cincinnati competed? I, I, you know, not too long ago, you know, in the NCAA tournament, Dayton played Ohio State in the NCAA tournament. Dayton beat them, and they beat Big Brother. Tony, are you talking basketball right now? I brought some basketball in there. Oh but the, my the, goodness! The, the in-state that, that that is so much more likely to happen. The the upset in in basketball versus football. Oh, I'm, yeah, I agree. And that's Speaking a of basketball, Tony, let's okay. transition to uh, Kansas. Ooh. You were a you were on College Game Day this uh, weekend. Yes. Between all of us, uh, the this at this show, we've had three appearances on College Game Day between the two of us. Yours, good, uh, yours is virtual. I got two in person, but. Yours is very, very uh, prominent. You were rocking your Kansas Jayhawks shirt, and I, I, I told you you got to toss on a Red Hawks hat, and you did. I'm glad you did. But let's let's hear you on the Coca-Cola Zero cam. Coca-Cola Zero Sugar cam. There is about uh, 12 fans on their Zoom calls on the show, and... How'd you go about it? Give us a quick 30 seconds leading up to this moment. So I was sitting there um, waiting and waiting. I talked to the moderator and she said, you're going to be on. I didn't know. But you applied online. Yeah, I applied online. I got it. Got into the virtual pit. I wore my gear, like you said. And I, uh, when the moderator said, okay, this is your turn. I started flapping my, uh, my Jayhawk shirt and I had my Red Hawk hat. I didn't know when I was going to show the Red Hawk, but um, I got it in there. So you did get it in there. And and who are we gonna listen to? So you get you get a couple personal shout outs from the hosts in this Reese Davis yeah, Reese Davis and David Pollock. There we are. Let's listen to Reese Davis and David Pollock talk about Tony directly right here live on College Game Day. As we get ready for kickoff, section zero, I See the number of fans, so KU fans still representing in there. We got Oklahoma today. It's probably going to be a long day. Basketball season going around the corner, kid. There it is. Basketball season right around the corner, kid. <laughs> that was that was Pollock. He, he he roasted me. He did. He did. They were. I think they were honestly surprised. Probably their first Kansas Jayhawk fan they've had all year. Going into a, a ten weeks on this thing, have you seen any of their Kansas Jayhawk fans on game day? Because I have not. I I have not. Um, you know they aren't typically shown. Uh, I mean, they last may year, honestly think you're the only one out there. They might. Um, last year they talk a lot about Les Miles, you know, just because of his first year and who he was. Uh, but this year, you know, there hasn't been much to talk about besides the struggles and, and, and him having COVID at one point. But uh, I was glad I could make that appearance. I, was, I always support my Crimson and Blue. And Pollock is right. Uh, basketball season is going to start on Thanksgiving against Gonzaga. we got unfinished business for football. So I'm looking forward to finishing the year strong and then going to basketball. Yes, yes. Well, we're going to move on to the game of the week before we hit Temple Talk. 
My game of the week this week is going to be Texas A&M at Tennessee. I believe Tennessee keeps it close, keeps it tight at home at Neyland Stadium with Texas A&M, Texas A&M coming to town 3.30 on Saturday. That's my game of the week. I think it'll be close, tight, one possession game at the end. I like that. I like that. I think uh, – now, let me, let me ask you really quick before I say mine. Are you uh... – I know you don't like Mullins, Gators. Are you rooting against A&M now? Yes. I don't think I don't think A&M's there yet. That's going to be interesting to... Uh, I think they're the most likely out of the top five to crumble. Gotcha. Um, Not just because they're number five. No, no, I, I don't blame you. It's SEC, they got three teams in top five right now. Uh, my pick for the... Game of the week is Ohio State. So you're Columbus, Ohio State uh, Buckeyes against the feisty, explosive Maryland Terrapins. I think it's going to be a explosive game. I think I'm not going to call an upset. I think Ohio State wins it, but I think for the Big Ten, definitely a we. I know last year you brought this up a lot. The Big Ten is that grind it out kind of run the ball game cold, just. Uh, you know who's who's the most physical team? We might see the total opposite of this game of Big Ten football next Saturday. I feel like it's going to be explosive plays, a lot of talent, wide open offense. Um, hopefully, it's not all one sided. Hopefully, we see a back and forth game just to see a good game. But I do feel like Fields uh, leads his Buckeyes to another win. I, I'm Ten. intrigued to see Twalia play against some real defense. The only thing is the Ohio State Buckeyes secondary, as you saw in that Rutgers game, really is uh, is very vulnerable. So for Twally to have success, I think he's got to throw deep because Ohio State secondary is not what it used to be over the last year, two, th- two three years. So that's the way for to cut into Ohio State's defense is throwing it over the top. So, but it'll be nice to see Twali actually have some real competition. So, I just don't think Maryland as a whole has made that jump to be competitive. But Twali is, if it's going to be there, it's because of Twali. Yeah. Took a Viola. I also, uh, while we're talking briefly with the Big Ten, very excited about Indiana. They had a huge win over Michigan. I know we didn't touch on that, but huge win for that program. I think they haven't beaten Michigan in uh, a couple decades, I believe. Yes, yes. Uh, Indiana, remember that was my new team where I my, my teams have watched for the rest of the year outside. It was that Miami team, and that lasted a whole like one well, week. Now Indiana's still, still winning after this. They're playing Michigan State at Michigan State. After this, they play Ohio State. So next weekend is Ohio State. So that'll be the real test. So I'm rooting for Indiana. I want a uh, uh, top ten um, November, mid-November yes, matchup. Yes, 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 yes. Agreed. Well, let's move on to Temple Talk. All right, Tony, we're back with Temple Talk. First things first. We are going to we're going to talk about Ramon Davis, who decided to leave the program on was it Wednesday or Thursday of this week? I want to say it was Wednesday. He announced online. I'm going to read his statement for us right here live on the podcast. He tweeted out, "God has a plan." I want to start out, start off by thanking my family, friends, and teammates for being with me in this journey at Temple University. I also want to thank Coach Collins, Coach Diaz, Coach Fran Brown, and Coach Carey. Carey was spelt wrong, just so we are noting that. For giving me the opportunity to play this game I love so much. These past two years at Temple University have been filled with wonderful moments, up and down, thrills, and victories I will never forget. Coach Gabe, 
Thank you for being like another father figure and role model to me. You have not only taught me how to become a better football player, but also to be a better man. Coach Gabe, he's talking about Gabe Infante, who was the number one high school football coach in the nation that was hired by Manny Diaz. Also, Fran Brown, hired by Manny Diaz. Those two guys were on the payroll and were forced by whoever the new coach was going to be, ended up being Rod Carey. They had to keep these two guys. So Gabe Infante, New Jersey guy, greatest high school football coach in the nation, was then hired straight to Temple. Thank you for being like, uh, you have not only taught me, to my teammates, my brother and I will, my brothers, to my teammates, my brothers, I will forever cherish the bonds we have made on and off the field. It's with a heavy heart that would like to announce, that I would like to announce I'll be opting out of the 2020 season and will be entering the transfer portal. TMC, finish line flag. Now, we just talked about last episode that this year is a free year of eligibility. So for him to really want to opt out, he must really not like Coach Rod Carey. I didn't preview last week's on the on the episode, I didn't preview the SMU game because I was so frustrated and furious of, of Rod Carey's performance. And guess what? This week, the SMU game really, really uh, validated my claims from last week. And then guess what's on top? The Ramon Davis opting out is just the cherry on top over the last week. Ramon Davis... Can't even spell Rod Carey's name right. It's C A R E Y. And I don't, and yes, you probably read this over a couple times, but he didn't bother to spell his name right. And maybe he left it spelt wrong on purpose. C A R Y is how he spelled it. He left out the E. But he went on to, to thank the coaches who are not even there anymore Coach Collins, who's at Georgia Tech, Coach Manny Diaz, who didn't even coach. Ramon Davis. He was at the university for 17 days before going back to Miami as the head coach. But in those 70 days, he hired Fran Brown and Gabe Infante. Fran Brown, not even here. He was the recruiting candidate. Yes, was probably heavily involved in Ramon Davis's recruiting process. Now Fran Brown is at Rutgers doing the same thing he did for Temple. But he did leave a nice long paragraph for Gabe, who clearly was his connection and probably the hardest coach that he had to walk away from, from at Temple. That is my analysis of this, this notes app opt-out that he had, that Ramon Davis had tweeted out. It's a bummer. Leading rusher last year and this year for the program has now stepped away. And I, I said it in the forums, this is because of Rod Carey. We've now lost four, the four best players on the roster over the last year and a half since Rod Carey walked in. We've got the number one defensive end sitting down there in Miami that opted out and transferred. We've got Ramon Davis, who left. You've got Todd Centeno. I wouldn't say he's a top four, but you got Todd Centeno who ended up walking away. And you've got Kenny Yaboa, who is now the probably the number one tight end in the country down at Ole Miss who had seven touchdowns in the first two weeks walking away from this program. I do not believe Rod Carey uh, has controlled the locker room. I do not believe Rod Carey is doing his best with this program. You have to... these last The last two, I guess, and a half coaches... You could say, where you had Matt Rule, who literally built this program up from 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 the ground, from nothing, from like one win season all the way up to going to a bowl game. Then you had Jeff Collins, who was able to pick up where Matt Rule left off, right? Continued the success. Then you got Manny Diaz, the 17-day thing. The program, the university makes four million dollars off him. Then you have Rod Carey come in from the Midwest. Zero recruiting connections in the Northeast. And now you have Rod Carey brings his entire NIU staff to Temple. And clearly, this is not working. He needs to go. I said it last week, and I'll say it again. 
Rod Carey needs to go. Rant over for now. Tony, what's your thoughts? I think anytime you lose exciting young players, especially in a, a year where, like you said, eligibility doesn't isn't a factor, that, that just means either the kid's looking for a fresh start and doesn't like where he's at or um, playing time. But he played, and he was playing, so... Um, that's what doesn't make so much sense. It doesn't make any sense, except he does not want to have to deal with Rod Carey day in and day out for the free year of eligibility. Yeah. Um, now, what we didn't really cover, and it wasn't clear at all in, in, the, in the verbiage, was if you don't take this year's free year of eligibility, do you get that free year of eligibility next year? I think you can. If you opt out, you still get it. Like, so this free year this year, yeah, is it carrying over and he gets another one? I I read it as this isn't counting towards a year of eligibility as opposed to this is an extra year of eligibility. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, he'll still have his... Uh, I mean, what what's his class right now? Is he a... Uh... Uh, I don't have it in front of me. My computer won't load, so I want to say maybe a junior. But uh, say, so he's, say he's in his third year, right? So yeah. this year was a free year. Yeah, so, so he, he mean, still had his senior, and then he would get a fifth year, right? But he would have to sit out. I would just, unless uh, no, no, I, sit I, out. The sit out's just if Rod Carey can release him. If Rod Carey releases him, he doesn't have to sit out. Okay, that's based on the head coach. But so. Essentially, if he played this year, he would get a fifth year. He got a senior year and a fifth year. But if he yeah. sits out this year, does that mean he gets his junior year, his senior year, and a fifth year? So I, I does he get? So. Does he get? Does he get essentially a sixth year? Does his the year he's sitting out right now, his junior year, since he's not playing, does that get moved to his sixth year? So he gets senior year, a fifth year. And his junior that he ended up not playing. Uh, I don't think what's, so. What's yeah? I don't think I think right now. Let's just say he's a junior. Um, so this year he was playing at a junior. That means he had this year and then next year eligibility. Um, so I, I believe he would be a junior next year and have two years left. Yeah, I don't think if you're sitting out, they're going to give you an extra year. You're no. already sitting out. It's if you're in it, it just doesn't count. But, again, it's a free year if he plays. So I, he clearly doesn't like Rod Carey. And so do multiple guys. Not And, and being 1-4 and four doesn't really help either. Knowing the team isn't going anywhere, it's tough to, to fight for a bowl game when you, you're not going to get one. So And, and I think um, for kids who are talented and, and can prove that they play somewhere else, the worst thing you could do is, is get hurt in November, December. Uh, and then not get the opportunity that you are looking for uh, based off being injured or having a serious injury and not being able to recover until August, September, whenever. Uh, I'm thinking like a torn ACL or something um, serious. So um, you got to look out. These kids, somehow you know, got to look out for you. And I, he made the best decision for him and his family. And hopefully he finds a place where uh, he's happy and has finished his career off strong. Yeah. Which, now going into the SMU game, the program had about half the team out due to injury, COVID, and opting out and transferring. So we're dealing with no Anthony Russo still. We had uh, Trad Beatty, which I, I definitely pronounced his name wrong because the announcers say it completely differently, but I can't remember how the pronouncers say it. And I'll, Betty? Oh, I don't think so. I don't think it was Betty. Beatty, uh, not Beatty. I don't know. But then we had uh, Real Mitchell in this nine of eighteen, and you had Trad Beatty who was eight of twelve. Now we're going with a duel. They were going to switch off between each um, possession. Yeah, each possession. Sorry, my brain had a fart there. Oh, now sorry. I feel like we're back to the Anthony Russo, Todd Santeo situation. It clearly shows that. Rod Carey likes doing a, a two-quarterback system or it's Rod Carey can't make up his freaking mind. You know? I, I I know. I remember Rod Carey. He was a in Northern Illinois. He ran a read option play. 
and he had some athletic quarterbacks who could run the read option, uh, more runners and throwers, but uh, dual threat guys. And that's know, why I, he wants that. Like, that's why he always wanted Todd to be in there, and now it's Real. But Real can't sling it deep at all. And you got Trad, who's like 6'5", and then you got Real, who's like just six foot. And essentially, you know when Real's in, he's going to be – the ball's going to be on the ground, you know? So it's safe It's safe to say that he doesn't have his QB yet then. I mean, he's got Russo and – But Russo, can he run? No, no. Are you uh, saying, oh, he wants his dual threat guy? Yeah, I, I, I feel like – in year yeah, two. Uh, you you know what that means? You got to adjust, you know. Yeah. All I the agree. other. All, it also comes down to uh, Pat Kraft, who a athletic director who hired Rod Carey, stayed one more year, not even a year, and ran out the door. And now he's the the AD at Boston College, and it's it's an ugly situation for Temple football. The game was hideous, forty-seven to twenty-three. I, I was able to watch the first half. My second half, I was on a plane ride, which I'm glad I didn't get to see the second half because I would have been infuriated with a twenty-seven point fourth quarter by by SMU. But to have the lead going into half, thirteen to ten, was nice. But then to come to come, to see that fourth quarter is just just the wheels fell off the wagon there, and it's 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 ugly. It's too ugly this season. And I don't really want to mention anything else about this ugly SMU game. But if you got anything, drop it in the bucket right now. And then we're moving on to UCF. No, I, I when I watch SMU, I think of, man, they got an explosive offense. But then I, I want to turn this back around to Cincinnati. Cincinnati beat that team 42-13. to um, So I think that proves Cincinnati is... Uh, a much better team than a lot of people may think, or if, if you don't see Cincinnati or a team like SMU play. Um, but uh, Temple just didn't have an answer in the fourth quarter. Like you said, 27 unanswered points. Well, no, 27-17. to 27-17. Yeah, they were outscored uh, by 20 points in the fourth quarter. And then if you look at Temple's rushing now, you got Tavon Ruley, who's taken 15 carries for 66 yards, and you got the backup QB who's running for 66 yards on 17 carries. So clearly Rod Carey just wants to run Real Mitchell as a quarterback. Like he's just, uh, I feel like he's running like a really crummy, like army offense right now. Yeah. So I just looking ahead really quick, you know, um, UCF. I mean, that's going to be a team where. Yes. Next game, UCF, Saturday, the 14th, 7:30 PM on ESPNU. Down in Orlando, I I expect nothing productive to come out of this game. If, if it was if it was on ESPN Plus, I might pick Temple, but since it's on to you, I I can't. I so, I, I don't, and I, we don't know if Russo's back in action yet. I so don't, I'm gonna roll with UCF. If you're Russo, Russo has played less than four games this year, do you redshirt this year? You know that if you're Russo and you know that the season's down the drain, do you redshirt, take the year? You didn't even have to redshirt, technically. You don't don't have to, yeah. He gets a whole other year. Does Russo come back next year? Well, he could be a a graduate transfer and go somewhere else, couldn't he? Yeah, if he really is upset with Rod Carey, that would show... That ride care really needs to get 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 on, hit the road. I expect a Temple loss. I predict a Temple loss to UCF down in Orlando at the Bounce House is what their stadium is called. Literally, if you look up on the schedule, it says Bounce House, which is an electric name for the stadium there. So maybe Blaze, Blaze, are you listening? If you're listening. Hope you can uh, maybe go to the game, stay socially distanced as always. Uh, Blaze is living the life in Orlando. Call in, leave a voicemail, Blaze. Let us know how it was. Call in live from the game. Leave us a he voicemail. He may have. At the he tail- may have called. He may have called. I'd we say, Blaze, we're going to call out to you. Leave a voicemail live at the tailgate, live at the game, post game, all three or any of them. And. Hopefully we hear from you reporting live from the Temple 
at least the tailgate at least you know that's 7 30 p.m and blaze really quick if you do listen uh i, I know that there's a uh for the fancy basketball league from last year still looking to figure that whole thing out <laughs> the what fantasy ba- <laughs> fantasy basketball yeah i have to i have to sit at a waffle house for 24 hours first so I'm still. I finished second place. I, I either make a little bit of money or I get my money back. Yeah, Blaze, are you gonna pay out this fantasy basketball league or what? Moving on, to, we're gonna move on though to voicemails. We're moving on to the voicemails. Call me on my cell phone. All right, we're gonna head into the voicemails. We've got a handful of voicemails from a few callers from across the country listening in from our big audience fan base. So this first one is a caller, Cody, from Memphis. Let's listen in to what Cody's got for us. Hi, guys. This is Cody calling from Memphis, Tennessee. Love the podcast. Love what you guys are doing with the show. Just wanted to ask you guys a question since you opened this new feature up. Which team do you think has the best chance of making the college football playoff at the end of the year outside of a Power 5 conference. Cincinnati, BYU, Boise State, or even Coastal Carolina. Love to hear from you guys. All right, Cody, thanks for calling in our first voicemail. Glad to hear we got some fans in Memphis. Uh, Cody's a bit of a slow talker, I must say. Uh, it takes a while to get his message out, but we got it nonetheless. Uh, Power Five. I he listed Cincinnati, BYU, Boise State, even Coastal. I'm not even going to take him seriously with the Coastal because I don't even think they would. They just got in the FBS. I don't even think they'll scratch the top ten. Same with Liberty. I think they'd sit outside the the, the top ten at the end of the season. I say Cincinnati. Cincinnati, we kind of mentioned it a little bit at the top of the uh, top of the hour on the national landscape. Tony, which of these is the best chance? I think BYU is an inch closer, but I say Cincinnati. Yeah, he, he mentioned uh, BYU uh, and Boise State. Obviously, BYU, Boise State basically had an elimination game this past Friday. BYU won it. Uh, you know, I agree with you. We mentioned this earlier in the show. Cincinnati's right there at number six. Um if they can hang around, make it interesting for the committee when those uh, rankings and, and when they figure out those placements for those games, I think Cincinnati has the best chance um, to make the college football playoff. Shout out to Cody. Uh, love, I love that we got some uh, listeners in, in Memphis, a beautiful city. Um, the Mississippi River runs through there, uh, runs through Cape Girardeau. All right, we're Tuesday. done with the geography. Let's tell me. We got a bunch of voicemails to get to. Let's move it on. <laughs> All right, let's listen to the next voicemail we got from Tim from Dupo, Illinois. Hey, this is Tim from Dupo, Illinois. Love what Chris and Tony dumped the show. Love you guys. Love listening to you. Quick question for you. I just saw this on the internet here. Trevor Lawrence on the sideline during the game Saturday against Notre Dame. What do you guys think about that? I would love for you to talk your audience about if you agree or don't agree um, very interested to see this and hear about it appreciate you guys love listening to the show every week uh, go go owls go red hawks well thanks tim for for calling and we actually touched on this already in, earlier in this in the episode i am highly against it i don't know why Dabo would do something like that it makes no sense to put trevor on the sidelines just get it just don't put him in the stadium have him stay home makes no sense for that open risk. That's all I got. Yeah, I, I agree. It's no point for having him there. Um, you know, it reminds me of the Dodgers, of Turner, him coming back out when he was positive. No reason to have him there. Um, they still have safety issues and, and what have you. So that's all I got to say. Agreed. Next voice, and we got Michael from Carbondale, Illinois. Let's take a listen. This is Michael from Carbondale, Illinois. Glad to see Red Hawks got grounded on Friday night. The wheels ours. Go Salukis. SIU. See you next year. All right, Michael, thanks for calling in. Michael, you sound awfully a lot like uh, Tim and Cody. Maybe they're all just related, you know, that Dupo, Illinois, and, and Carbondale, they, they may just be part of the same family, uh, but they do sound awfully alike, I must say. But uh, 
you keep the wheel for now. Uh, just don't break it. And uh, the Red Hawks will get it back next year. Hopefully there's no pandemic. That's right. We're going we're gonna to come for Tim and... Um, this is Michael. This one's Michael. Michael. I got it mixed up. We got so many listeners. So exciting. Um, you know, we're going to come after you. We're going to get the wheel next year. I promise you that. Yeah, you keep... you. You don't get com- don't get too comfortable with that wheel, Michael. All right, let's listen to the next voicemail we got from Brooks down in Cape Girardeau. Let's take a listen. Hey, this is Brooks from Cape Girardeau. Colin, I love what you guys are doing with the show. I think it's uh, pretty cool to have a show uh, dedicated to SEMO and you guys talk about Red Hawks football. Um, I just want to know what you guys thought about the game. It was a good game against SIU, tough loss. I know um, losing the wheels doesn't sit well in Cape, and I just wanted to get your guys' opinion about the defensive side, offensive side, and um, what you guys think about the year in the spring. So uh, keep it up. Love the show. And uh, hopefully you guys talk about the question. See ya. Hey, Brooks, thanks for calling. You know, I will refer you to our episode after the SIU game where we covered a lot of that offense, defense. Go back. Scroll back on the podcast so you can listen to that. But Tony, give us a little twenty second snippet on your on on your Red Hawks offense, defense, and what you're looking forward to in the spring. Yeah, so Brooks, I hear you. Tough loss. Uh, a lot of the things to be excited for. Um, defense is pretty stout for the spring season. You know, it's going to come up fast. So we, you know, we got to make it through November, December, January, and then February. February will be here before you know. So. Exciting times, OVC play. Got to got to beat Austin P. Jacksonville State. Those are two teams that are at the top. But uh, a lot of a lot to be excited for. Yes, thank you, Brooks. And our next phone call is going to be from Brian in Harrisburg. Let's take a listen. Hey, this is Brian from uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I love what you guys talk about with the Temple and uh, the progress, the lack of there with Carey. Not a big Carey guy. Hopefully he gets the axe, if not this year, because of COVID, next year. Uh, I really think they've had a good run of hiring coaches, but here's my question. If Kerry does get fired, what kind of coach do you see Temple looking at? Uh, maybe from the pro ranks, college ranks, uh, maybe more Philly guy area, the East Coast kind of area. Willing to pick your mind. I uh, love what they, love the show, guys. You do a great job. and. Um, well, you fixed my question. So yeah. All right, Brian. Thanks for calling. Well, I like it. I like where your brain's at. I've already ranted so much about Rod Carey. We're let's start think. Let's start spinning the wheels. Let's start getting the media out there talking about who's going to replace Rod before we even fire him. Who do I want? Man, I'd love to get Matt Rule, but he's got the he's out there with the the Carolina Owls. And Manny Diaz is not happening at all, but you know who is available? A little bit of a guy named Fran Brown, who we had, and then we lost to Baylor. Then we got him back, and then we lost him to Rutgers. And now he is ready to be a head coach. Being under Greg Schiano, being with Manny Diaz and Rod Carey, being with Matt Rule at Temple and at Baylor. Fran Brown, head coach of the Temple Owls. The man is a South Jersey man, is a Philly man. He can recruit. He's the best recruiter in the Northeast for Northeast guys. Give us Fran Brown as head coach and take us to the moon. Uh, yeah, it's, definitely it's trying to figure out someone who fits that program, that, that footprint for Temple football, that hard-nosed um, blueprint, but uh, one guy that you always talk about that special teams is it Foley? Yes, Ed Foley. But he's he's oh, yeah. been he's he's like sixty five almost. That's like it's like electing like Joe Biden or Donald yeah. Trump, you know. But uh, uh, I think he's a guy. And Ed Foley, I think he's too too old, but he's like an all time assistant coach. He's also been he's been coaching for like forty years and. All he's ever been is an interim. I don't think Foley is the guy. Yeah. But Fran Brown, Fran Brown's the guy. Fran Brown's got to be the guy. That's that's what I'm going with. And uh, yeah. thank you, thank you, Brian, for calling. And uh, I think we got one more 
This is from a church, it looks like, maybe? Let's, uh, let's take a listen. Cookies you left out. You did leave out milk and cookies, didn't you? Oh, Santa gets very hungry driving his big sleigh all night long, you know. <laughs> Merry Christmas and sweet dreams, little one. <laughs> well, I'm not sure what the... the hell that was. Was that Santa, maybe? That like Santa. I mean, his time is coming. He's preparing. He is. Like Maybe Santa can give us a new coach, Fran Brown. Hey, yeah. Santa, if you're listening to this episode, I'll leave you out some milk and cookies. You get rid of Rod Carey and give me Fran Brown for Christmas. And give me Anthony Russo for another year. That's that's what I'd like for Christmas. Let's go with that, Santa. Merry Christmas and sweet dreams. That's it for this episode. Make sure you call. Leave us a voicemail. Even Santa leaves us voicemails. At 614-504-3614. Follow us on Twitter at the Nest CFB. Tony, you got any final words? Uh, just to all our callers, we love you guys. Thanks for listening. And uh, for all the bars and you want to call us and this week, Yes, and Blaze, we'll look forward to hearing you report live from the Temple UCF game or the parking lot tailgate or in the game itself. That's it for episode 6. Season 2 of this. Go out. Peace. Yeah.